right. Thank you, Jennifer. You can open your Bibles or turn on your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4 today and uh, get something to take notes because we're going to dive into God's Word together. And um, <clears throat> it always, always feels uh, a little bit rushed. And so I'll just uh, announce it now that on September 18th, we are actually changing our service times. On September 18th, we're going to move to 9.30 a.m. So 9.30 a.m. starting September 18th, just to give us a little more time uh, for God to, to minister, to move during, after. Uh, also, we're going to um, start worship a little bit before 9.30. So it'll be a time of prayer around the altars. So if you want to come early for that. And so that's coming up. Uh, coming soon. You can still come at 9.30. You can still come at 10, but we'll be rolling by 10. So, uh, but <laughs> but uh, Sunday school will be moved to, um, uh, to 8 a.m., and then everything else, all the different ministries, uh, there'll be announcements for kids and for worship and everything as well. But just to put it on the radar, it's about a month away. So uh, excited for that. Thank you for praying for my dad, continuing to do that. Uh, I know he's watching at home, continuing physical therapy, working on that balance and that strength, and so we love him and continue to pray for him. And it's good to be here today. It's been a couple weeks, unforeseen, having to travel, and just, uh, I don't know about you, but I'm done with funerals this year. I am just, it's just been, there's been way too many this year, the last couple years. Um, but as I've been going to funerals, uh, this verse popped out to me last week. It's Ecclesiastes 7.2. It's better to go to a funeral than a feast. It's interesting that Solomon would give us that wisdom, right? It's better to be invited to a funeral than a feast. It's like, I'd probably rather go to a feast, right, than a funeral. There's something powerful about funerals. It reminds me that this isn't all there is. That this life is short. I had a good friend pass away. His name was Fred Sindorf. Uh, he was a pastor in this area for many, many years, uh, North Shore Assembly of God, good man, uh, man of integrity, the real deal. About 20 years ago, he invited me to be a part of a group of pastors that get together and uh, share their lives, and I had been doing that um, these last couple of decades, and I've loved every minute of it. Um, there's probably nothing that I didn't know about Fred's life or he didn't know about my life. We were just connected. It was just a, a great relationship. And um, so a few years ago, Fred retired, and he uh, bought a boat, and he loved to go fishing. He loved to go fishing out on Lake Geneva, and he would invite me. He's like, hey, come on out on the boat. I'd love for you to go fishing with me. And he would invite me uh, year after year and say, hey, come on out or bring one of your boys. Just somehow come out and go fishing with me. And then it was just like I'd get so busy. I'm like, you know, we'll do it next year and then next year. And then COVID came, and then COVID went. And it's like, hey, come on out. Yeah, we'll do that next year. Fred went to visit his um, children and grandchildren on the other side of the country. When he was there, he had stomach pain. He went to the doctor. He had advanced pancreatic cancer, and he never made it home. And I lost a good friend. Sometimes there isn't a next year. I always said there's going to be, I'll go next time. I'll go next time. And... Um, so we were at his funeral uh, a couple weekends ago and uh, had a couple days off before the next funeral because we had a college board member pass away. And I just, you know, I just like, I just need some time. I'm going to drive, get away. 
And as I'm at the funeral, I began to think of another friend that has health uh, issues that I've been saying for years I was going to go and visit him. And I've known this guy since we were little boys together. And we still have always kept in contact, calling, texts, and stuff, but we just haven't been together uh, in, in, in the same room for quite a number of years. And, and I just said, I'm always going to go visit him. And, and, um, and after the funeral, I, I, I called Leslie on the phone and says, I, I know I'm supposed to get away for a couple of days, so I'm actually going to go and be with this friend. I'm just going to go spend time with this friend. And, and it was beautiful and it was wonderful. And we actually cried together. It was a, a good moment together. And, um, and uh, he asked if I'd stay and preach at his church last weekend, so I did in Kansas City, and we were together. And, and um, so I'm just going to tell you today as we begin, if there's something you've been putting off doing, if there's someone you've put off seeing, and you'll say, well, I'll do that next year. I'll do that next time. I'm just going to encourage you to do it today. Make a plan today, okay? Because God put that on your heart for a reason, and uh, I don't want to be too busy for the, the people and the things that God has put in my life, okay? So, so take that uh, as you go. One of the things I love about uh, driving is that I get to get out of Illinois, um, and go to other places. And one of the good things about going to other places, see, there are so many things that are illegal in Illinois, and then there's a lot of things that are legal in Illinois that shouldn't be. But there's a lot of things legal, illegal in Illinois. One of those things that, that should be legal that is illegal in Illinois is fireworks. I love fireworks. I'm like a little kid. I just, <laughs> I should have grown out of it. I haven't. I just love fireworks. And so as I was uh, driving, and when you go from Iowa into Missouri, across the border, all of a sudden, all these fireworks stands are there. These buildings that sell fireworks, I'm like, yes, I'm buying fireworks. And so I got my fireworks, and um, I'm like, I'm going to go blow off my fireworks. And so I went to this open field, and I'm ready to blow them off. And I look at the field, and this area of the country has been in a really bad drought, and I look around, and this field is dry. I mean, it is super dry. And I'm like, you know, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think this is a good idea. Like, maybe it was the Holy Spirit, maybe it was just common sense. I don't know, but it was just like, you know what, pack it up, take it home, um, be illegal in Illinois. No, but just pack it up, take it home. We're not doing it, not doing it, because it was just too dry. If, if one more thing happened, that, that field was going to go up in flames. And, and you don't need to come bail out your pastor in another state for arson. You know, you just need to, so you need to be wise. And so I, I packed it up because it was just way too, way too dry. And as I was in that field, I began to think about the seasons of our life that a lot of times we go through dry seasons. We go through wilderness seasons. And um, I don't know about you, but the last, uh, whew, Last few years for Leslie and I, they have been some difficult years, some dry seasons, some heavy seasons, some wilderness seasons. And it's one of those things that's interesting because it's a universal thing, right? We all have those seasons of life in different areas of our life. We all have them. They're unique struggles, like each one's unique, but we all have these seasons that are lonely and barren. And it gets so heavy, and you don't know if you're going to make it. And, and so it, like, it cuts us to our core. And like, how do we respond in those seasons? How do we get through those seasons? Because what a lot of people have done these last couple of years where it's been hard and dry and wilderness, you know what they've done? They've walked away. It's just too hard. I can't keep going. I, I, I don't know what else. I'm just, and, and I've seen people walk away from their faith, walk away from their family. 
I've watched people that I thought would never fall in ministry fall. I've watched all these things happen. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? And it's just we go through these dry seasons. And we're like, I got nothing else left to give. We see suicide rates at an all-time high. I mean, we see all these things going on around us. And we're like, what in the world is going on? It's because we're in this dry season and we don't know what to do. You may be in that season today and you're here and I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad if you're here watching online, I'm glad that you haven't given up. I'm glad that you're here because I believe God's Word tells us how to get through these seasons. I want to look at the life of Jesus. You know, one of the names for Jesus is Man of Sorrows. Have you ever thought of that before? that Jesus knows what it's like to go through sorrow. He knows what it's like to be in the wilderness. That's why I have you open to Matthew chapter 4, because oftentimes we call it the temptation, but it's actually Jesus being in the wilderness. And he's going to be tested in that wilderness, just as you are tested in that wilderness, because he just came from the baptism, right? Right? The, the baptism of John, if you just look the, the chapter before, he has been baptized by John. The Holy Spirit has descended upon him, and the Father says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And then he's pushed out into this wilderness, and it's a dry season, and that's when the enemy comes to attack. Listen to me, when you're in your dry wilderness season, that's when the enemy is going to come in to attack. So you got to be ready in those dry seasons, and Jesus his, his identity is challenged. If you are the Son of God, you're going to be challenged. Your identity is going to be challenged in your dry season. And it comes in against you. If, if, if you are the Son of God, change these stones into bread. Jesus has been there for 40 days. You know how hungry you'd be if you haven't eaten in 40 days? I'm so glad we have a picnic today. <laughs> Because I haven't eaten in 40 minutes, and I'm ready to go, right? No, I'm, I'm just, that's the oldest joke in the book, I know. But 40 days, no food. Turn these stones into bread, Jesus. Just come on, you can do it. And Jesus could have done it, right? He's the Son of God. He has all power. He could do that. But what Jesus says is really interesting. He says, we don't live by bread alone, but by for every word that comes from the Father. See, Jesus knew that the Father knew exactly where he was and knew exactly what he needed. And sure, he could have turned uh, stones into bread and eaten and satisfied his stomach, but that's not what bread is about, especially in that culture. It's much different. See, bread in that culture, you don't just go to the store and buy a loaf of bread. Bread was a part of every single meal from morning to night. You always ate bread. It was something that was just part of their diet in everything they did. And you didn't eat alone. Like, you don't go through a drive-thru and then eat your meal in your car. No, you came together as a family and you broke bread together. It's a time of fellowship. Yes, it nourishes the body, but it also nourishes the heart, the soul. And Jesus knew that, that he wasn't just going to satisfy himself, but that his true identity was the Son of God and he was in relationship with the Father. And so I don't just eat to satisfy my stomach, I, I eat so that I can be with Jesus, that we can be together in relationship. That's why when we pray, 
give us this day our daily bread, a lot of times we think, well, that's just God, give us what we need for today, supply all of our needs. And yes, it is that God would supply our nourishment, but it's also that we would say, God, be with me today. Give me you today. Be my daily bread today. Yes, feed me, but also provide your presence for my life. See, that's such an important part of it. And so we don't live by bread alone. And what the enemy is saying to Jesus is, look, you're the son of God. You're following the father. You have done everything right. You've been perfect. You're doing everything the father's asking you to do. You shouldn't have to be hungry. You shouldn't have to be hungry. If you were really serving, if God really loved you, you shouldn't have to be hungry. Do you realize that that's how the enemy is going to come against you in the wilderness? He's going to say, look, you're following God. You didn't walk away. You're in church today. Look at all your friends. They all bailed. But yet you're here and you're hungry. You shouldn't have to be hungry. Second temptation, Jesus is at the top of the temple. It's the highest building in all of the city of Jerusalem, but it's also on the top of Mount Zion. It's the highest place in the area. And the devil says, throw yourself down. The angels will catch you and, and you'll fall to the ground and everybody will know who you are and you won't, you won't have to like preach or do anything. Like, they'll already know who you are, Jesus. You won't be this unknown person lost in the wilderness. Everybody will know you and no one will reject you because they will have seen this mighty thing. The religious leaders, the common people, even the Gentiles will all see you do this and, and, and no one will reject you. That's who you, who you are, Jesus. Just show them who you are. And yet Jesus doesn't do that. In fact, when religious leaders ask for a sign, he says, no sign will be given to you. No, we're not going to do that. You know, you, get, you need to get to know me. And what happened is so many people rejected Jesus throughout his life. Yes, thousands came, but thousands rejected him as well. And what the devil is saying to Jesus is like, you shouldn't have to be rejected. You shouldn't have to be rejected. Look, you're, you're doing what's right. You're doing what's good. You shouldn't have to be rejected. How many of you these last few years have been rejected? by family, by friends, by society. Like, and the devil's like, you shouldn't have to go through that. You shouldn't have to deal with that. The devil says to Jesus, bow down and worship me in the last temptation. Just bow down and worship me. I'll give you everything. I'll give you all the kingdoms of this world. All the political power you want, Jesus, it's all yours. You just bow down and worship me. You won't have to go to the cross. You won't have to do anything. You'll be in charge of everything. Just do it, Jesus. And Jesus says, no, we worship God alone. We don't, we don't worship. There's no other worship but to the Father. And so yeah. what he's saying to Jesus is like, look, I'll just give you everything. You don't have to go to the cross. See, the whole point of Jesus going to the cross isn't just that he'd go to the cross. He'd go to the cross so he'd die on the cross for you, for me, that we could be in relationship with him. He didn't want to rule some like, thing like Rome or, or any. He didn't want a kingdom of this world. He wanted you. He wanted you. That's why he died on the cross, that we are now his kingdom. We are his people. He is our king. And, and, he, and the devil's saying, you, you, you don't have to go through the pain of the cross, Jesus. And, and Jesus like, look, this isn't without hunger and without rejection and without pain. I, yes, these things happen in the wilderness, and the enemy is going to come against you, as he did, all the way back to the Garden of Eden so that you will doubt God, so that you will just, you know, just be like, you know what, I, I, I don't know if I can believe God's word anymore. I don't even know if I'm a son and daughter of God. He's going to get you to doubt all of those things, your identity. He's going to get you to doubt, you know, his word. He's going to get you to doubt God's love. 
and his goodness. That's the oldest trick in the book, and the enemy's going to lie to you again and again and again in the middle of the wilderness. But Jesus teaches us what we need to do, that we put our faith in God. We put our faith in his word. We put our faith in our relationship with him, that he is our daily bread, and that he'll provide all that we need. See, the children of Israel didn't, didn't get this. So when they were in the wilderness for 40 years, not 40 days, but 40 years, they just keep, kept complaining, God, why did you bring us out here to kill us? And they just, they didn't see any good. I mean, they just complained and rebelled against God over and over again and because and they believed the lies of the enemy. They, they saw their identity as slaves, and that's all they ever knew. But God says, no, you're not, you're not a slave. You're, you're my sons. You're my daughters. And, and he had to kind of reshape their identity over 40 years until he gave them everything that they need, and they conquered the land. But again, they rebelled and complained. And So you can rebel and complain during the dry season, right? But you're going to sit there a lot longer. See, what we've got to do is we've got to get through, and God's going to get you through. Here's the things I want you to write down today. We've got 10 minutes and, and about five things here, so write these down. Get these inside of you. Number one, God is with you, and he will take care of you. God is with you, and he will take care of you, just as Jesus knew that his Father knew right where he is. Can I tell you today that God knows right where you're sitting today? He knows right what you need today? Like, that you haven't escaped his, his view? No, he knows you, and he knows right where you are and right what you need. Matthew 4.11 says, Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. See, we need to replace what the devil says with God's provision in our life. And what does God say in his word? What is God doing in my life? I need to look at that and, and realize that, that he is there, that he is my daily bread. That I, I don't just need to be satisfied here. I need to be satisfied in my heart and in my life with his presence. Number two, there is provision in the wilderness. God provided for Jesus in the wilderness. You know what's interesting is that that God even provided for the children of Israel when they were complaining. That he provided manna, he provided water, their clothes never ran out, their shoes, you know, their shoes never wore out. I mean, they defeated all of their enemies. I mean, God was with God is a God of abundance and a God of blessing, and he will bless you even in the wilderness, even in the dry season. And so what we need to do is, as Jesus said, he goes back to the word, and, and what we need to do is, is in those dry seasons, we need to become thankful. We need to see everything that we receive in the wilderness as a gift. That God is giving us gifts even in the wilderness. The song that I, I've just, it's been going over my mind, and I don't even know how long, the last months or even last year, is the song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Just turn your eyes in the dry season. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. When you're in the desert, when you're in the dry season, when you're in the wilderness, you're going to have to go to a deep well. You're going to need a deep well if you're going to survive that dry season. And, and so I'm just going to encourage you just to go down deeper with God. Where we stay in Iowa, there's a pump out in front of the house. And it, like I said, it is in the middle of drought. And this is the actual pump that's out in front of our house there. And, um, and so I took that picture before I left. And, and I'm like, I wonder if there's any water in the bottom of the swell because it is so dry and the farmers are worried. It's just like it's so bad right now. And so I just start pumping that well and nothing happens. I keep pumping the well nothing happens. I keep pumping that well. And then all of a sudden, 
water starts flowing from that well. And then it just becomes so easy to pump because the water just flows and flows and flows because it got to the source. It got down deep. And sometimes when we're in that dry season, you can't live shallow in a dry season, right? You can't just be like, oh, I wonder, you know, you got to go deep. Like, you got to go deep in the things of God in a dry season. You got to get to the water. You got to get to, you just got to keep going. And, and it's funny how when, when the water starts to flow, the, the, the flow just becomes so easy because we've tapped in to the deep well. You might have to work a little harder, but God is the God of abundance, and he's going to give it to you. Let me give you another verse real quick. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. This is God's continual invitation to us. Come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. In that dry season, just go to him. Come to him. Go to that deep well. Next, your wilderness season can be a holy season. It can be a holy season. See, God's at work even in the wilderness, and he is establishing Jesus' identity is being tested, but also established in that moment in the wilderness. We see uh, the children of Israel they are establishing their identity as sons and daughters of God in the wilderness. God is going to establish that relationship with you. But if you think, I'm just going to get through the wilderness, I'm just going to try really hard, and I'm going to get through, and you just keep trying and trying. Look, you can't get through the dry season on your own strength. See, you have a covenant-keeping God who made promises in His Word. That's you tap into His power. When He's talking about spiritual warfare and the armor of God, in the book of Ephesians, it says, be strong in the Lord in the power of His might. Not in your might, His might. Be strong in the Lord in the power of His might. So be in that relationship. And while you're in the wilderness, God still has things for you to do in the wilderness. You're still on assignment there from Him. Here, write this down today. You have a gift. You have a gift. God has placed something inside of you that you are called to do. That, 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 that he, look, the gifts of God, it says in the Bible, they're irrevocable. They, they are there. And so even in the wilderness, you have a gift. You have an assignment. You're supposed to be doing something in the wilderness. So don't just sit there, wait for it to be over. See, God, what do you want me to do right now while I'm here? Because God has an assignment for you. I love this quote. It'll be on the screen. I read it on Facebook this week. I love it. Jesus was rejected more than we ever will experience, yet it did not affect his assignment. Isn't that good? I mean, look, you can go through hunger and rejection and pain, but you're still on assignment. You still have a gift. He's still asking you to do something, so tap into his power. We're almost done here, but this one is so important. Don't go through the wilderness alone. Don't go through the wilderness alone. I think we've lost a lot of people because they've been in a dry time or wilderness and, and they've, they've kind of separated themselves. And, and look, we're just better together. Even in the natural, if somebody is trapped in the desert or in a wilderness situation, did you know the survival rates are so much higher if people are together? Like if there's a few people that get, get trapped in the wilderness, their survival rate is so much higher in the natural than just one person being trapped out there by themselves. And I believe that's true in the spiritual as well. I think that's why, you know, the idea, the church isn't some pastor's idea. This is God's idea, that, that my people would gather together in my name, that we would encourage one another, that we would be together, that we wouldn't be alone during the dry season, but that we would be together. And there's something about being together that encourages us, allows us to go deeper 
together. And so don't go through the wilderness alone. And here's the last one. The wilderness doesn't last forever. The promised land is coming. The wilderness doesn't last forever. The promised land is coming. Listen, you have been promised victory. God is working all things together for good. We sang that this morning. Like he's at work. There is victory. That, that I can say there is victory. Like it, it's not just like, okay, there'll be victory in some of them. No, you are promised victory in God's word. And Jesus is seated above every power, every authority, and we're seated with him. We know that there's victory, right? We know that we are overcomers. We know this, and so we can have victory even in the wilderness. And so we're in that dry season, we're in that wilderness. What do we do? We wait, and we worship, and we say, give us this day our daily bread. God, give us exactly what we need to get. Give us your presence. We need you. We go deep. We go deep into the well to draw because you know the promised land is coming, right? Those promises are true, and yes, and amen. Hallelujah. Amen? amen? Bow your heads and your hearts. Thank you, Lord. You can bow your heads and your hearts. Let's pray. Let's go to the Lord. I know there's so many of us going through a dry season, through a wilderness season, but uh, we're not alone. God is with us. We're cheering you on. We're praying for one another. We're going deeper. And uh, I want to just pray for you today. And then we're going to sing one more time. This is how I fight my battles. Because again, listen, it's... it's um, I know it's hard. It's dry. But there's victory coming. And there's something that you're, you don't, don't put off your assignment. Don't put off somebody you're supposed to visit or something you're supposed to do just because it's a hard time. There's hope in the wilderness. There are promises in the wilderness. So Jesus, today we just come to you. Um, your presence has been with us all the days of our life. God, you've been watching out for us and taking good care of us. Lord, we even sensed your presence here with us today. We sense you speaking to us through your word even now. And uh, Lord, I pray for anybody going through that dry season just ready to give up. Lord, would you encourage them today and build them up? Would you let them know that you are with them and they are not alone? And God, that you have a promised land for them. You have victory for them. Lord, that there will be a day when uh, we will just rejoice together in heaven. But Lord, I believe there's even promises coming true here on this earth that may be done here on earth as it is in heaven. God, that you're going to give us the, the daily bread that we need. You're going to provide for every need we have in the wilderness. But God, you're also going to provide your presence in our life because we can't live without you. Lord, we just received the, the word of the prophet that we're not to be afraid because the battle belongs to the Lord. And so today, once again, as we end our service, we change our perspective and we change what we say. And we say, God, it, it belongs to you. Thanks be to God. You are good. Your love endures forever. We love you today, God. And that's why we stand and sing this song.
You stand across the sanctuary and let's just worship the Lord one more time before we go. Thank you, Lord.